But Tony came here for reasons very different from the ones we've heard about so far. Reasons rooted in economic troubles and ethnic strife. Join us next week for his own Taiwanese story. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Lydia Chang is the founder of Origin Yoga and Wellness. It's the first of its kind of yoga retreat center in Taiwan. Lydia spent quite a bit of her life in Canada. She had a great job as an accountant. But she started getting really stressed out with her work. She then remembered how her father, a yoga master, taught her to relax and meditate. She came back three and a half years ago and found these buildings near where she used to live still abandoned. Her dad said that's a great place to start a yoga center, and she did. After all, it's right by the sea. There's a beach, waterfalls, and mountains. Her clients come from everywhere around the world. Today, she continues to talk about this yoga retreat center of hers. I began by asking her if her business is affiliated with any yoga centers worldwide. <laughs> no、oh. affiliation whatsoever. Yeah. So how how would they know about your place and then flying in and and just being here for just that for that program? I would say it's because yoga and wellness vacation is on the rise; is becoming more and more in demand.、Mm. So many of these guests they are looking for wellness vacation. So when they type、mm. in wellness vacation Taiwan or on Google, for example, or yoga retreat, there's there's a huge community. So many people are falling in love with yoga retreats or meditation retreats. So when they Google such term, we would show up because we are the only one <laughs> in Taiwan. Oh, I see. But you know, it's kind of out in the suburb. How how can people get to your place? I mean, do you provide shuttle bus or? I I don't. I we don't and, have and the also... funding right now to to buy a huge bus. <laughs> we we do have taxi drivers that we work with. Oh, okay. Like local drivers that we work with. That makes sense.、Uh, that we can pick up the guests directly from the airport or yeah, from yeah, the yeah. MRT station. Is really. Not that far away,、uh, for for commuting wise. Many people that goes to yoga retreats, they can endure commute of up to like six to eight hours. Some sometimes it's up in the middle of nowhere、really? in the mountains. But or, yeah, because you, you want to be out in in solitude, you know,、um, kind of like surrounded by nature or whatever. That's probably the best place, right?、Oh, okay, to have these kind of yoga centers. Right. So right now you don't provide accommodation either. We do have accommodation. Oh, you do. Yes. Oh, we have accommodation. That makes sense. 
Right. So it's all inclusive. And we also work with uh, B&Bs as well oh. and uh, local tour operators. So it's a, it's a whole all-inclusive vacation or yoga wellness experience. Oh, it's a whole package deal. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So you just show up. You don't just bring your luggage, show up. You don't have to worry about anything. And you're coming for definitely guarantee um, unique local experiences, really good yoga and meditation classes, and bonding with like-minded individuals, and being somewhere beautiful and be inspired by nature. So that's the main appeal for most guests. So if people come for six days, do they just only stay at the retreat center the whole time, the whole six days? We do have um, local excursions, as well as what we call ocean therapy Mm -hmm. and nature walks, where we would take them out. Uh, we are very blessed because we're very close to, like, near, right in front of us is the beach. Right. Uh, there's probably three beaches within walking distance. Within half an hour drive is Yamingsan National yes. Park. We're also close to the old streets, the temples. There's so many. Sakura season even. We even have Sakura in March. Oh. So all season, there's something to see and do. You take them on all of these different activities. Right. We, there, are, there are emergent experiences because mm-hmm. many of them are unique that we create for our guests. So, for example, we will work with the local farmer. It might be like a visit to their home and planting sweet potato. Really? <laughs> yes. Or oh. going to visit a local herb, herbal garden mm-hmm. and do like fresh aromatherapy. Oh. Or visiting a local artist and, and, and maybe experience a wood making workshop. Oh, that is so cool. So you personally kind of went through these yourself before you started planning the program, right? Like yes. what I'm saying is like maybe you actually went to the woodcarver's place and you actually carved something yourself. And then you went to, I don't know, went to all the trails before you actually mark out, you know, the trails that you would have for your programs and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes, that's the fun part of my job. That's the fun part of my job. <laughs> Curating so experiences. Oh, so you're constantly like looking for new routes and yeah, trails and that kind of stuff and new activities and new, I don't know, artists and all that kind of stuff, right? Yes, as oh, long I as see. it's yoga and wellness related uh-huh. and non, non-commercialized, non-touristy, then yes, I'm always looking for those. But you're also an instructor yourself, a yoga instructor yourself. I, I am. I'm also yeah. a teacher. And you yes. also take them on the routes, the hiking trails, and then visit to the, you know, to local streets and to the, um, to the wood carvers. I mean, you also, you do all that too. Uh, we do work with local tour operator as well. So oh. some of these hosts will, they would do the tour, but if there are components, which all of them do have the, the component that involves the wellness or the mindfulness part, then I would come in. Mm. So alongside the local host, I would be there to guide the meditation part, for example, in the waterfall. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking, you, you, I guess you sometimes have some meditation um, sessions out in nature. Yes, right? as much as we can, actually. Yeah. What, what happens if it rains? Do you also continue the session out there? I mean, sometimes you can experience something differently under rain, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, as long as it's not a typhoon. Right. I know. I know. <laughs> it's really up to our guests. So another unique thing about our program is generally is a small size. Uh-huh. Uh, so people can really get to know each other. And also we take care of the guest needs. Some people are very adventurous. They want to be out there all the time. Some yeah. people are very sheltered. They just want to sit by the window and look at the ocean, which is fine. Uh-huh. Are we 
retreat is the time that you take for yourself. So we try to cater and we try to personalize the experience. Oh, okay. Run us through like a one particular day. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, sometimes someone could be in just for a one day session, which is like from nine to five. Right. So can you can you kind of run through it and just like what happens at nine and then ten and whatever. Sure. We actually just did one yesterday. Uh-huh. We had we had uh, two guests from Japan and two from the Philippines, and coming coming in. Two of them are returning actually, which is great. Uh-huh. Uh, so we started our day at nine a.m. and they came and I I bake homemade muffins to greet them. Wow. And so we had wait, tea wait, wait what kind of muffins? Describe them. <laughs> what was it made of? What did you have in them? Usually, I make very simple, like apples and banana muffins, just yeah. something simple. Very healthy. I'm not a fancy baker. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Yes, wow. definitely healthy. Many yeah. of our guests are already vegetarians, if not vegans. Oh, okay. Uh, so definitely, very try to keep it low sugar and things like that. Okay. Um, yeah. So they come, we greet them with something homemade to start their day, a snack and tea tasting, um, and then we start. Just a round of introduction, because a part of the retreat is we get to spend the whole day together. It's an opportunity for everyone to get to know everyone else mm-hmm. on a very personal level. So we come here. Our theme for the retreat is connect with your natural self. Uh-huh. So I generally ask everyone to think about that and perhaps use one word to describe their natural self as a lead to. Begin telling their own story. Um, after that introduction, we go upstairs to the studio space where we would practice yoga. Uh-huh. And when I mean yoga, is all as- aspects of yoga. So, for example, the physical part, the mm-hmm. breathing part, and the meditation as well. So we would practice all of that in the one session. Uh-huh. Class is probably about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, there's a little break between uh, between yoga and lunch. And during this time, we do what we call karma yoga and giving back to the community. So most of the time, we would go on a volunteer mission, uh, either with a, a local MPO close by, or mm-hmm. we would go to do beach cleaning, things oh, like that. Okay. So we would do that for about an hour, <laughs> giving back. Yeah. And then after, and just, so just you and the four of them. Yeah. Were they all just women? Actually, two of them were U.S. soldiers. <laughs> stationed oh. in Okinawa. <laughs> so oh, how interesting. Yeah, exactly. I and, mean. They kind of just took a day off from their, their post. Yeah, their post. Is uh, that it? They were on a well. One of them is a returning guest, okay. so he brought his friend oh. uh, or his, I guess, another soldier with him. Yeah. And yeah, so this, this is their second time here. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Right. And the other two. The other two is a couple. Oh, okay. Got it. From Got the it. Philippines. So after beach cleaning, then they come back to the center for lunch. Yes. And we make the lunch in house together. No, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's too too short for that in one day. Maybe yeah. in the longer session, perhaps yeah. we will have some cooking demonstration. Right. But generally, in the one day, we don't. We make the food for them. Uh-huh. Actually, the chef is my is my brother. Oh. <laughs> oh, how about that? What was for lunch? Right. So generally, we would take anything that's seasonal and fresh, and we do work with, like I said, uh, what we call the local farmers. We purchase from them, and so right now, what's in season is bamboo shoot. Oh, <laughs> yum! Uh, yeah. Jiao bai shun. So, mm. Oh yeah, I love those too. Right. They're called water. 
Water bamboo. Bamboo, right. Right. Oh, I love those. Okay. <laughs> so we make vegetarian dishes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So water bamboo, local organic vegetables, stir fry, just very healthy and light, um, spicy tofu, uh-huh. a lot of Taiwanese dishes. Because okay. also we want to share that aspect of Taiwan to our visitors. Right. Um, and also rice, everything is sourced from Taiwan. Mm. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. After lunch? After lunch, uh, generally we would have a wellness workshop Mm in-house. So this could be a meditation session with my dad, for example, Uh talking about the art of meditation. Or sometimes I teach about Ayurveda, which is another part of yoga, um, Mm. more like the medical side of yoga theory. Medical side. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, But yesterday, because it was one of the, one of the ladies' birthday. (laughs) So we planned a special excursion for her, which we had our workshop outside in a local herbal garden. Uh Mm. Oh, wow. Where she got a, um, where we got to do fresh aromatherapy using plants. Uh And afterwards we made tea out of Mm. the plants that we pick. Uh Um, And the herbal garden owner did a plant reading for us. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's very, very special. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is very special. Right. It's interesting. Okay. And that would have been about what time now? Three in the afternoon, probably four? Yes, around 3.30. Um, Mm. So we would enjoy our afternoon tea at the Herbal Garden and have dessert Mm -hmm. as well. uh, Also made by the garden owner. (laughs) And then after that, after we wrap that up, we come back to the beach and we do a, a sunset walk. On the beach. Of course. (laughs) Right. And we call this ocean therapy. So not Mm -hmm. just walking, but we're also there to breathe. And we're also there just to rest. And we take off our shoes and Mm -hmm. soak our feet in the water Mm -hmm. and drawing some of the energy from the earth. Um, into into ourselves and then we do our closing circle or what we call loving kindness meditation at the end where we share this energy that we cultivated from taking care of ourselves for the whole day and sharing it visualize sharing it with someone that we love so you planned this whole program or did you pick up these different i don't know activities and and ideas from when you were trying to get your teaching certificate in India? Or did you plan this all by yourself? I planned this all by myself. Wow. Um, A lot of the ideas are unique and original. Mm. Uh, Definitely there are some basic expectations for a yoga retreat center. So people that go on yoga retreat, they expect good healthy food. Yes. And they also expect good yoga classes and meditation. They also expect some kind of local experience. Okay. Or time in nature. Yeah. So I take I take these components of what people are looking for and I just infuse it with some of my ideas. And that's part of what I love about being the founder and this whole creation process. I really do feel like I'm I'm creating, just sharing something that I already love doing. Yeah. A lot of time I create a retreat to be honest for myself. <laughs> <laughs> these are all things that I love to do myself yeah yeah. and so when my guests come i really just feel like they're just experiencing a part of what i love to do yeah that is so cool so actually this sounds to me it's a family business you know your dad and your brother's involved and everything 
I mean, your team is just the three of you. I'm sure there's more, right? Yes. Actually, my dad is not involved in the business. It's just uh-huh. I, I would like beg He's him just to a... come <laughs> <laughs> and be my guest teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has his own students in Taipei oh, okay. um, and he does his own thing. So the center is founded by myself and my brother. So oh, the okay. two of us are the co-founders. Mm-hmm. And I do have a team. I, um, I also have a helper that does housekeeping and cleaning. Uh, we have guest teachers as well that mm-hmm. help me host retreats. Oh, I see. Eventually, I do hope to have multiple locations. That's my ultimate goal. You mean within Taiwan or 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 outside Taiwan? Starting from Taiwan. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and then going outside of Taiwan. Sure. I think that if I were in your position, I would be so stressed out because, like, you know, being the founder and and being the one organizing everything at the center and planning the class. And but you seem really calm to me, you know. <laughs> and I'm sure that you're you're benefiting from what you love the most, and that's yoga itself. I wish you all the best. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you, Lydia. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Classic Shorts Stories from Chinese History and Literature Welcome to Classic Shorts, I'm Natalie So. Today, the poet Bai Juyi tells us about one of China's most famous love stories, the love Emperor Xuanzong had for his concubine, Yang Guifei. That love, however, led to his downfall when the Anlusan rebellion arised against his rule. His guards blamed Yang's cousin and told the emperor she must be put to death. That's why the poem is called a song of unending sorrow. China's emperor, craving beauty that might shake an empire, was on the throne for many years, searching, never finding, till a little child of the young clan, hardly even grown, bred in an inner chamber with no one knowing her, but with graces granted by heaven and not to be concealed, at last one day was chosen for the imperial household. If she but turned her head and smiled, there were cast a hundred spells, and the powder and paint of the six palaces faded into nothing. It was early spring, they bathed her in the flower-pure pool, which warmed and smoothed the creamy-tinted crystal of her skin. And because of her languor, a maid was lifting her. When first the emperor noticed her and chose her for his bride. The cloud of her hair, petal of her cheek, gold ripples of her crown when she moved, were sheltered on spring evenings by warm hibiscus curtains. But nights of spring were short, and the sun arose too soon. And the emperor from that time forth forsook his early hearings 
and lavished all his time on her with feasts and revelry. His mistress of the spring, his despot of the night. There were other ladies in his court, 3,000 of rare beauty, but his favors to 3,000 were concentered in one body. By the time she was dressed in her golden chamber, it would be almost evening. And when tables were cleared in the Tower of Jade, she would loiter slow with wine. Her sisters and her brothers all were given titles. And because she so illumined and glorified her clan, she brought to every father, every mother, through the empire, happiness when a girl was born rather than a boy. High rose Lee Palace, entering blue clouds, and far and wide the breezes carried magical notes of soft song and slow dance, of string and bamboo music. The emperor's eyes could never gaze on her enough, till war drums, booming from Yuyang, shocked the whole earth and broke the tunes of the rainbow skirt and the feathered coat. The forbidden city, the nine-tiered palace, loomed in the dust. From thousands of horses and chariots headed southwest, the imperial flag opened the way, now moving and now pausing. But 30 miles from the capital, beyond the western gate, the men of the army stopped. Not one of them would stir, till under the horse's hooves they might trample those moth eyebrows. Flowery hairpins fell to the ground. No one picked them up. And a green and white jade hair tassel and a yellow gold hair bird. The emperor could not save her. He could only cover his face. And later, when he turned to look, the place of blood and tears was hidden in a yellow dust blown by a cold wind. At the cleft of the dagger tower trail they crisscrossed through a cloud line under Ome Mountain. The last few came. Flags and banners lost their color in the fading sunlight. But as waters of Shu were always green and its mountains always blue, so changeless was his majesty's love and deeper than the days. He stared at the desolate moon from his temporary palace. He heard bell notes in the evening rain, cutting at his breast. And when heaven and earth resumed their round and the dragon car faced home, the emperor clung to the spot and would not turn away from the soil along the Mawe slope, under which was buried that memory, that anguish. Where was her jade-white face? Ruler and lords, when eyes would meet, wept upon their coats. As they rode with loose rein slowly eastward, back to the capital. The pools, the gardens, the palace, all were just as before. The Lake Taya Hibiscus, the Weiyang Palace Willows. But a petal was like her face, and a willow leaf her eyebrow. And what could he do but cry whenever he looked at them?
You're listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Today we are going to introduce Taiwan's beautiful scenery. A Malaysian student in Taiwan spent four years and 150 trips up Hehuan Mountain to produce an amazing time lapse of Taiwan. This is the sunrise at Hehuan Mountain and the Dark Sky Park, all captured by Malaysian student Feng Yehui. While studying in Taiwan, Feng spent the past four years capturing Taiwan's most beautiful scenery through time-lapse photography. Before I leave Taiwan, I wanted to give something to Taiwan. I hope these works don't just receive a lot of attention, but rather leave a lasting impression on the people of Taiwan. Another beautiful sunrise, Feng captured above fields of Asian knotweed in Nanto County. This is an amazing shot of the indigenous Talampo village in Hualien. And Taizong Sea of Cosmos Flowers. I came across a weasel once. I was the only one taking pictures at the peak of Hehuan Mountain then, and he stole my dinner. He climbed Hehuan Mountain 150 times, carrying 20 kilograms of equipment to make time-lapse Taiwan, giving the people of Taiwan a stunning new look into their beautiful land. Natalie So, RTI News. Our next story is about a stack of functional frogs. The stack of frogs has been voted the favorite attraction at one of Taiwan's most popular tourist destinations. Not only are they pleasing to the eye, but they serve a practical purpose. This is Sun Lake, located in central Taiwan. The stunning natural beauty makes it one of the most popular tourist spots on the island. An online poll asked people to pick their favorite features of the lake, and in reverse order, they include a pair of bridges, Lalu Island, the Gondola Lift, Shuishu Harbor, the Xiangshan Visitors Center, the bike pass around the lake, and cherry blossoms along the shore. Coming in at number one is this rock sculpture at the edge of the lake, which is appropriately named the Nine Frog Stack. This is not just a whimsical work of art, though. It serves an interesting purpose. Each frog on the sculpture corresponds to a given water level, so just looking at how many frogs sit above the water, you can easily get an idea of how high the water is. Taiwan is home to some of the most beautiful coastlines. The coastline that we will be introducing has played host to a number of exciting national events, like the Lantern Festival and this year's National Day Fireworks. Let's find out more about it. This is Pingdong County at the southern tip of Taiwan. The area is known for its beautiful coastline, which makes it a popular travel destination. In February of this year, Pingdong also hosted the Taiwan Lantern Festival, featuring a variety of creative designs and attracting over 11 million visitors. Travel to Pingdong will be even easier in the future. The high-speed rail line, which travels down the west coast of Taiwan, will be extended from the neighboring Kaohsiung City to Pingdong City. The Ministry of Transportation recently approved the construction after much discussion. The steep price tag of 1.78 billion U.S. dollars has drawn concern from local residents travel to other parts of the island. It's scheduled to begin operation in 2029. 
This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Fall foliage is not something most people associate with Taiwan. Even Taiwanese people may assume that if you want to see the leaves change colors, you have to head overseas. But across Taiwan, you can find autumnal reds and yellows that are the equal of any in the world, if you know where to look. In much of Taiwan, the arrival of autumn is a subtle thing, hard to detect. But in some of the island's forests, the change of seasons is impossible to miss. Scattered across Taiwan are stands of maple and bald cypress that greet autumn with a colorful display. From Yangmingshan in the north to Alishan in the south, these patches of fall foliage are waiting for nature lovers and photographers alike. In some of these forests, around 20% of leaves have changed color. Peak leaf viewing season is set to arrive before the end of November. With a long National Day weekend coming up, these places are sure to be filled with visitors looking to celebrate the season. John Van Trieste, RTI News. Nantou County in central Taiwan has built a number of raised skywalks, hoping that the views they provide of the country's natural beauty will attract tourists. A total of seven now extend through a short stretch of the country's rugged mountains. While some of these attractions have been successes, others are facing closure due to a lack of visitors. Nantou County's Qingjing Skywalk has welcomed over one million visitors since it opened to the public in 2017. The county government recently invested 30 million new Taiwan dollars, or 980,000 U.S. dollars, in extending the Skywalk in the hopes that it will attract even more visitors. The upgraded Skywalk is scheduled to reopen on October 30th. Many of the tourists who came during a trial reopening ahead of the official event have praised the views the extended section offers. Not all skywalks in Nantou County, seven skywalks have enjoyed the same popularity, though. The Zhongliao Skywalk will close down at the end of the month. That's despite promotional claims that it offers views on par with those tourists can see at the Grand Canyon. Though it attracted around 1,000 visitors a day shortly after it opened in 2015, visitor numbers have since plummeted. This year, fewer than 20 visitors came on an average day. The local township office can no longer bear the financial burden of keeping the skywalk open, and so the skywalk will be closed. Jake Chen, RTI News. Taiwan's wild places are masterpieces of nature, but garbage tossed by passing humans is threatening even the most remote of these places. Officials have decided to take action, organizing a team of alpinists for a cleanup in Taiwan's eastern mountains. Hualien in eastern Taiwan has many natural wonders. The ocean off the coast of Hualien is teeming with beautiful marine life. But the habitat is endangered, as you can see from this fishing net which is hampering the coral's respiration. Both fish and coral are dying from the pollution. But just this past weekend, a group of people went down to the coastline to help clean things up. The local Water Resources Agency hosted a cleanup event over the long National Day weekend. People made good use of the holiday by helping clean trash from the ocean and the beach. The opening of the port of Hualien has resulted in the loss of coastline, but officials say that anti-erosion efforts are making a difference. 
Water Resources Agency Director Xie Mingtang says those efforts have helped extend the coastline about 5 to 10 meters out to the sea. The agency hopes the recent event will help raise public awareness about the importance of caring for our oceans. Natalie So, RTI News. But people don't just clean up mountainous areas. In eastern Hualien County, residents there took time on the National Day weekend to clean up the ocean and beaches. As Taiwan has become more environmentally conscious in recent years, garbage-strewn beaches have received a lot of attention. But Taiwan's garbage problem extends deep into its mountainous interior. Litter in the mountains is more than just unsightly. Officials warn that flammable garbage could help wildfires spread during the dry season. In mountainous Hualien County, on Taiwan's east coast, officials have decided to fight back against this tide of trash. The Forestry Bureau got together a team of 50 climbers and put them to work on a cleanup project. The goal was to clear the slopes near a mountain highway. The team's haul of garbage ended up weighing around 300 tons. Among the climbers' more unusual discoveries were a printer and an oven. Team members say they hope to get more people to care for the earth and that authorities will install surveillance equipment to catch litterers in the act. John Van Trieste, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. Our countries have had diplomatic relations for 38 years. This period of time makes us more than just allies. We are friends, and the embassy is a literal and figurative means of concretizing this friendship. It is a visible representation of an emotional and spiritual process that took place a long time ago. Hello and welcome to this week's Online, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. The Embassy of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, or SVG, was opened in August in Taipei at a ceremony attended by the Prime Minister of SVG, Dr. Ralph Gonzalez, Taiwan's Vice President Chen Jianren, and Foreign Minister Joseph Wu. The embassy officially began service in October, and the first ambassador is Ambassador Andrea Bowman, who is a career educator. St. Vincent and the Grenadines gained its independence from the Great Britain in 1979 and has had diplomatic ties with Taiwan since 1981. On October 27th, St. Vincent and the Grenadines celebrated its 40th anniversary of its independence. To find out more, we're joined today by the Ambassador of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Ambassador Andrea Bowman. Ambassador Bowman, first of all, tell us a bit about your beautiful country, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. It consists of uh, many islands. I know the main island is St. Vincent and the northern two-thirds of uh, the Grenadines. What you have given there is a geographical presentation, as it were, of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So I'll just give you a wee bit about the history of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. St. Vincent and the Grenadines is also referred to as Hiruna, land of the blessed. 
that was the original name given by the indigenous people prior to conquest and settlement that took place in the 17th century by the Europeans. I have specifically mentioned that original name, Hiruna, because I want to say something about the celebration, just to mention one of the celebratory activities we had for our independence, which was on the 27th of October. We had what was called a Hiruna Countdown Fete. So you would see this is where we got the name from. That name for the Fete is from our original name from Hiruna. our indigenous people, Hiruna. So this Countdown Fete that we had started on the evening of the 26th and went over into the wee hours of the morning of the 27th, which is actually the day of our independence. So that is the notion of counting down. So we counted down from the 26th to the 27th to celebrate and begin our independence. What do people normally do? In St. Vincent the Grenadines, mm -hmm. when we had... Actually, this High Runa Countdown Fete that I'm telling you about took place right here in Taiwan, in Taipei. This is one of the things we did to celebrate our independence here. In St. Vincent the Grenadines on Independence Day, there is a national parade. You know, and lots of people turn up to this where the, that the Prime Minister addresses. It's very well patronized. People wear the national colors, blue, gold, and green. And the parade, which over the years, you know, various groups come forward to show their best skills and the extent to which they have prepared for presenting themselves on this day. That is the biggest um, form of national celebration that takes place on that day. But then, for example, moving up to that day, you know, various things like exhibitions, um, boat rides, different um, shows, you know, various cultural expressions that mm -hmm. take place, building up to our celebration. St. Vincent and the Grenadines is a very beautiful Caribbean paradise. A lot of people call it a Caribbean paradise that has uh, 32 islands. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what this country, your beautiful country, has to offer in terms of tourism? All right. Well, what I have done this morning, I have brought you a little booklet so that you could see just how difficult that question is for me to answer. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very okay. thick guidebook. Yes. Now, the Tourism Authority has listed 32 must-do adventures for anyone visiting our 32 islands. May I just list, you can sure. see, yes. the 32 adventures that have been listed in this little booklet. I'll begin very quickly. Number one, hike the most scenic La Soufrière Trail, starting from the leeward end of St. Vincent. Two, descend into the crater of the La Soufrière Volcano for a refreshing swim in the freshwater lake. Three, submerge yourself in the history of the oldest botanic gardens in the Western Hemisphere. Four, appreciate the breathtaking vistas from Fort Charlotte. Five, test the reputed therapeutic benefits of bathing on black sand beaches in St. Vincent. Six, enjoy black, gold, and white sand beaches in the same destination. Destination. Seven, discover petroglyphs, prehistoric rock carvings around St. Vincent. Eight, look out for Amazona Gildinki, our national bird, while trekking through the Vermont Nature Trails. Nine, relax in the lush surroundings at the Montreal Gardens. Ten, indulge in a sunset cruise along the Leeward Course. And I will just jump straight ahead to the last ten. 
Pamper your senses at the super luxurious Mandarin Oriental Spa on Canawan 21. Enjoy golfing with unparalleled views of the Caribbean Sea at the Grenadines Estate Golf Club on Canawan 22. Sail to Miro and enjoy its pristine beaches 23. Trek to the top of the lone village on Miro to admire its quaint church, revitalizing breeze and views of the southern Caribbean and the southern Grenadines 24. Discover salt picking on the salt lake on Union Island. 25. Satisfy your quest for adventure by learning to kite surf at the JT Pro Center Kite Boarding School on Union Island. 26. Sip your favorite cocktail on the man-made Happy Island Bar near Union Island. 27. Swim with the turtles in the Tobago Keys Marine Park. 28. Escape to Mopion Sandbar for a romantic picnic. 29. Visit Palm Island Resort for an indulgent adult getaway. 30. Cheer on your favorite pick in the crab races on Palm Island. 31. Relish a private retreat to the secluded Petty St. Vincent Resort. And 32. Invigorate your senses at the Hillside Spa on PSV with the experienced Balinese therapist. Wow, <laughs> that is a lot to do. That is a and, lot. And uh, I don't think 32. you can do that in one week. All these. Uh, 32 recommended do's. Okay, you could if you're energetic, but you... <laughs> you're listening to Online, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong, and today I'm speaking with the Ambassador of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Ambassador Andrea Bowman. Ambassador, this is the first time ever that St. Vincent and the Grenadines has set up an embassy here in Taiwan. The embassy officially opened in October, even though it was opened by the Prime Minister in August. That's true. Now, could you tell us about the significance of the opening of the embassy here in Taipei? Okay. Now, our countries have had diplomatic relations for 38 years. This period of time makes us more than just allies. We are friends. And the embassy is a literal and figurative means of concretizing this friendship. It is, available, it is a visible representation of an emotional and spiritual process that took place a long time ago. It is also indicative of our future thrust. We are here in Taiwan so that we could do in Taiwan what has taken place in St. Vincent by Taiwan. What I mean is there is no Vincentian. I would say that with all confidence. There's no Vincentian who is not aware of Taiwan, who is not aware of our relationship with Taiwan, who has not in some way benefited from Taiwan's presence in St. Vincent for these 38 years. We now want our embassy to work in a way that Taiwan, the whole of Taiwan, not just Taipei, becomes aware of St. Vincent and the Grenadines and the relationship that we have. Mm -hmm. But you already have uh, started to do something. I know that uh, to mark the 40th anniversary of the Independence Day here in Taipei, you had some celebrations, for example, the exhibition held at a That's local university. Right, yes. Can you can you tell us more about this? Good. And thank you very much for coming to our exhibition. <laughs> that was actually the second of our events to mark our celebration. The celebration of our fourth year anniversary, the motto of this um, anniversary was renewal at 40. And we started with a church service on the 20th at the Tribe Church. We had a collaboration with this church, so we had a church service there. 
after this church service, 30 of us, 30 Vincentians here in Taipei, we went to a lunch at a restaurant nearby. So that was on Sunday. Oh, I'm forgetting. There was a picnic afterwards. Okay, the younger members went to a picnic and um, a games, you know, they had games in a park not too far by. So that was on Sunday. On Wednesday, we had the exhibition at the Taiwan National Normal University that was very successful in that we got to exhibit all things Vincentian. Uh, we had food. We had, you know, different aspects of our food up for tasting. We had pictures. We had our music. We had carnival costumes. We had books, you know, lots of things Vincentian were on exhibition. That was on Wednesday. And then on Sunday, we had our cocktail reception on the first floor of the embassy building. There, we were lucky enough to be addressed by Vice Minister Sao, and we had a number of Vincentians living in Taiwan, apart from the students living in Taiwan. We were also very pleased to welcome there quite a few government officials, particularly from MOFA, mm -hmm. and people who have worked closely with us since we've been here. Mm -hmm. You know, various business persons and so on were able to come out. So it seems that you have uh, done a lot since your arrival here in Taiwan. And can you tell us some of uh, the bilateral exchanges between Taiwan and St. Vincent and the Grenadines? Especially we know um, both countries have worked very closely in the areas of uh, agriculture and medical exchange. Yes. Now, these exchanges in agriculture and medicine have been going on for years, many, many years. Indeed, St. Vincent's wax apple, the fact that we have a wax mm -hmm. apple now in St. Vincent the Grenadines, is as a result of Taiwanese work. And I will just digress slightly. Out of these agricultural bilateral relations, we have also developed familial ties. And I'll tell you just a little story here. In our building, in our embassy building right where we are, there, you know, we share that building with the ICDF. And there is an agriculturalist. Mr. Chin Yu Lee, who works in the building, he was an agriculturalist working in St. Vincent on behalf of Taiwan quite some years ago. And he worked with the father of our minister counselor, who is now serving right here in our embassy in Taiwan, Mr. Elroy Wilson. So Chief Lee, he was known as Chief Lee in St. Vincent in the agricultural community. He worked with our minister counselor's father and now our minister counselor is right here serving in Taiwan. It's a small world. Very small world. And what's more, Chief Lee's daughters actually went to the school that I was the headmistress for. You know? Well, so back was, in St. Vincent. Back in St. Vincent. So I was really so happy to meet them. They came to the reception on Sunday evening as well. It was so lovely to see them. Okay? Well, sort of like a reunion. A here reunion. Regé, the elder of these girls, she graduated from the girls' high school. It was just so lovely. Anyway, that was a little digression. <laughs> Let's get back to the um, the crops, the agricultural crops that um, we have been developing and enhancing in St. Vincent as a result of Taiwan's um, co cooperation and expertise. We have the jujube, we have melon, vegetables like cucumber, cabbages, five fingers, you know, quite a few. It's really to increase yield, increase quality, productivity. Right? 
And with regard to medical, in the medical field, medical equipment in particular, since 2005, particularly through um, between the period of 2005, 2008, um, every year we would, we got at least 100,000 US dollars worth of medical equipment from Taiwan, particularly cardio, things for cardio mm -hmm. and various things like that. But right now, with regard to the medical cooperation, it's more human resource, human resource development, human resource input, building the human capital. And that was the first part of our interview with the ambassador of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Ambassador Andrea Bowman. Do join us again next week as Ambassador Andrea Bowman will tell us more about St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And that's it for this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.